You're listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, forward-looking conversations for those who believe that donor growth is possible. Every week, we'll explore a thought-provoking topic to help build deeper relationships with more of your donors. We are your hosts, Luis Diaz and Mike Dirksen. Now let's get into it. Luis, do you know what a chat is? I have no idea. I feel it's related to the word sus, which my kids taught me the other day, but illuminate me. (laughs) I don't know exactly how to describe it. Chad is just like this internet slang for like an overconfident male, basically, who just like knows the answer to everything. And I... (laughs) It's like, hey, you're such a Chad, you know, or like, don't be such a Chad. Um, uh-huh. That's what I think it means. I, I haven't actually looked it up, but here's the segue into today's episode in case you were wondering where this is going. I hope there's one. I dearly hope. Chat GPT is more like Chad GPT. Am I right? Okay, I get it. So it does its own version of mansplaining. It, Chat GPT basically is boring and overconfident in its answers if you just ask it like normal questions and that's because it is it it takes the average of the of all the answers right it's it is learning from information that is out there and Mm -hmm. it spits back out the average so if you ask an average question you're going to get a very average response i get that so it always sounds like it knows what it's saying, even though there's no brain behind the curtain, right? It's just essentially super complicated statistics. Is, is that kind of the point? Yeah, and it sounds it sounds just good enough for you to for a second go like, yeah, this is amazing. But it is really generic and bland for the most part. I and mean, that's okay, because today we're going to talk about how to... Uh, make it not generic and bland because ChatGPT can actually be pretty amazing, but it all depends on the prompts. Well, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I've been discovering, Mike, which is you can inspire ChatGPT to be better than itself, but it needs to be managed. Some people have hacked ChatGPT to, you know, to do things it's not meant to do. So there's kind of an art here. Some people call it prompt engineering. Mm-hmm. And I think this relates not only to chat GPT, but to lots of AI tools that work when you enter just the text and it does something like generate an image. Eventually, there's going to be tools that you tell it what you want to do. And it takes all the steps on your screen, like open Excel, copy mm-hmm. that into an email and send it to Mary in accounting. Right. Uh, but how you ask is critical and we've been playing around mike right and it can be pretty fun it can be helpful we just wanted to share a little bit of that today yeah because it can be a very helpful tool and it we, we've done two or three episodes now on chat gpt and one of the main things that i think we flagged was that it's going to create a lot of commodity content mm-hmm. it's just true i got a text the other day from my brother and he's like what do you think of this and i was like was this written by chat gpt and he's like yeah how'd you know it's like well I think we're starting to spot what is what is ChatGPT now and what isn't. At, at least at least depending on what your feed looks like. My feed is all ChatGPT because I started following a lot of people who are into that stuff. <laughs> well, there's this professor at Princeton that said that ChatGPT is essentially a BS generator. <laughs> right? 
But I mean, I think the counterpoint to that is I realized when I was thinking about it, most of what most of our lives is bullshit generation. <laughs> I mean, think of all those meetings at work where you're asked to give an opinion on an article and then people just blurt out one sentence and everybody nods. That you know, that's a wonderful chat GPT case. I'm sorry. So all that kind of low value interaction is going to be stressed. But we talked about that in another if, episode. <laughs> Today we're talking about high value interactions. So you're saying most of life is bullshit generation. Amazing. We're gonna clip that. That's gonna be part of the promo for the podcast going forward. If most of life is BS generating, are you saying that chat GPT is like the ultimate grant writer? <laughs> oh my God. No, but the ultimate procurement bureaucrat. Yes, for sure. I, I don't want to, I don't, I mean, hey, grant writing is an art, etc. But what I think is going to right. happen is that grant writing is going to evolve to be more about innovation, creativity, relationships with the foundations, mm. rather than the mechanical part of writing a grant. Because yes, a lot of those grants are pure BS. Right. Where the grant itself is almost a formality at the end. You know, a lot of stuff has been taken care of already before, before you even sit down to write the thing. I think so. Like the value is happening elsewhere. You know, I think that's where we're going Yeah. in general. But think that the room for creativity, for taking ideas and combining them in innovative ways that ChatGPT would never do, that's going to have a higher premium than ever. Right. Yeah. All right. So there are some ways that you can trick ChatGPT, inspire ChatGPT, guide ChatGPT to to be not a Chad and to not be as boring and and sort of have fake confidence, but to actually sound interesting and funny and you know and, and sometimes intriguing helpful. and helpful. And give you ideas. Yeah. So one of those ways is rather than to just ask GPT to write you something. You can ask ChatGPT to imagine a scenario and then mm -hmm. in the first person reply with, you know, how would you apply to this scenario or what would you do in this situation? Right. That's that's hack number one. So can you can you give us an example of this? OK, so this I've used it a couple of times. Honestly, I'm a little bit awkward in social situations. I don't know if other people may. I self-identify with that. I actually once wrote, asked ChatGPT what ChatGPT would do in a specific situation. <laughs> and it gave me an answer that wasn't so bad. Okay, so I'm going to give an example. I was in India rec recently visiting with the Alma-based team. Everybody was asking me the exact rate, same question. How was your trip? How do you like India? How is the food? Is it too spicy? Being there for 24 hours i was jet lagged i slept half of that time <laughs> um, it was starting to get old because sometimes i was answering the same question in front of people who had already asked that question right and i felt like i needed to embellish a little i don't know it was, for me it was starting to get awkward so i asked chat gpt what would you do if you're visiting india <laughs> and everybody's asking you the same four questions <laughs> But you still want to be nice and, you know, diplomatic and polite about it. And it actually had some good suggestions. One of them was, why don't you ask them something back? So I thought, ooh, the oldest trick in the book here. <laughs> like, oh, it's fine, thanks. And how about you? <laughs> Lewis, how do you like the food in India? How do you like the food in India? <laughs> 
<laughs> so, anyhow, this is <laughs> this. I mean, it was an idea generator that was pretty good. It was tailored to a very specific situation. It got me thinking. It gave me a few laughs. And in fact, what I started to do is, you know what? Everybody's. At, I started to tell people the story about what I just done with ChatGPT, and that least that kind of took the pressure off. Oh, but other, I- you know. How did you meet your wife pre-ChatGPT? How, how did you approach your wife for the first time? Okay, it was music. It was in, in music. We were professional musicians. But before ChatGPT, I was officially banned from using any type of chat interaction with her. She said I was <laughs> awkward. And to please never do that again for the sake of our relationship. So now I have ChatGPT who will at least <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> All right. So imagining, giving ChatGPT an imaginary situation to imagine. And the more detail you feed it, the better. So you can get very, very detailed. And a prompt can look pretty long, by the way. Like I've noticed a lot of people have the prompts that they're posting. They're very short prompts. But you can give ChatGPT a very detailed prompt. Imagine this situation. Here's what happened before. And here's what I'm debating now. I don't want to come across this way, but I also want to make sure that we don't break any laws or that I also uh-huh. like any policies. And so how would you weigh the situation? What is a good way of framing this? Those are all those are all little things that you can do to make your prompt very detailed and with as much sort of color as possible. The higher resolution picture you feed ChatGPT, the better the answer is that you get at the back. Exactly. So give it context. It's like any... It's like any, what was the word you used at the beginning? Chad. Chad, any Chad friend of yours. <laughs> if you did, It's always going to answer with a question. I mean, it's always going to answer. And it's always going to sound confident. But the more context you give it, the better it's going to be able to, to help you. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So we had an example in our notes, Mike, about an HR situation. And we actually gave it a lot of example, right? Let's pull that up. Yeah, so I can read the prompt. Okay. I don't know if ChatGPT is up right now. ChatGPT was down when we started recording, so not sure where where this episode is going to go. But here's a prompt that, that, Lewis, you came up with. Imagine you're the HR executive at a nonprofit. One of your donors behaved inappropriately with a staff member at your annual gala. Now, some people inside the organization want to let it pass because this person donates large amounts of money. You are in the state of Pennsylvania. How would you handle the situation? Share what you would email to the nonprofit's CEO, to the affected staff member, to the donor, if anything, and to all staff and to the all staff email account, if anything. You should be aware of current state and federal regulations, as well as the potential negative business impact of losing a large donor. So, Mike, how about I? Sh- Tell people what we got out of this when we ran it, preparing for this episode. And then you kind of reflect and you parse out because you're so great at that kind of the framework and what's good and what's bad. Yeah, that's prompt. Okay, so it actually generated three emails, one of them to the CEO. They were pretty sternly worded. And so it was talking about an unacceptable, an in unacceptable incident it actually in the email that wrote to the donor it actually bans the donor from contacting anybody at the nonprofit <laughs> until further notice 
Like, and we'll let you know when you can play with us. And it wrote the affected employee offering support, you know, every kind of boilerplate, but we did ask it to impersonate an HR executive. And it proposed some ideas that, you know, were pretty comprehensive from, yeah. you know, I'm not an HR professional, right? From a semi-ignorant point of view, I've been involved in these situations. I've been managing teams and, you know, been peripherally involved. So I think you and I have seen this, but, you know, we're not HR professionals. Ensuring that there's training for both staff and volunteers, notifying the donor, running an internal investigation into what happened, offering support to the affected person. So it was pretty comprehensive in that sense. What did you think about it? Yeah. So for the benefit of the audience, we ran this prompt and we get the answer. We reviewed it. We forgot to copy and paste it into our Google Doc. And now ChatGPT is down. So we've we've lost the original answer. But here's what I'll say. It did a really good job impersonating an HR executive with the language being very formal very matter-of-factly, very to the point, while being sort of diplomatic. So I think it did a good job at that. I think the email to the CEO was very sternly worded. It gave the CEO no out. It was very much like, this is a black and white thing that happened. Here's the five next steps, like you just said. So I thought that was, we can split hairs on the approach, but I think the steps that it suggested, the next steps, that in itself was useful. Because that is telling you, on average, here's how many companies handle this. They do these five steps. Number one is they mm -hmm. investigate. Number two is they support the victim. Number three is they talk to a perpetrator and give them a chance to, I don't know how it was framed, but basically talk to them that they're going to be investigated, that it's not okay. So I thought that was decent. I thought the email to the staff member, to the affected staff member was BS. It was like, at this company, we care a lot about your personal safety. It I mean, sounded it, like- It sounded like HR stuff. Yeah, it sounded like HR boilerplate. Now, the way to fix that is by reprompting, which is hack number two. So you got something and you think, that's eh, 60% of the way there or 80% of the way there. You can take it and run with it and it saved you some time, right? Especially in the- It gave you some a, ideas. Yeah. Like, you know, exactly. I'm in a nonprofit that doesn't have an HR executive and this is the first time that this has happened to me. It's kind of nice. Instead of having to call everybody- my role, you know, in my phone book to see if anybody has advice and get some good ones and bad ones. At least I can get a post for the average, yeah, you know, vanilla Cause, response. Because you're right. Here's the alternative. You would call people that you know or email them and be like, do you have a template for this? Have you ever handled with this? Can I see an email that you wrote? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So this is the same thing. Even if you get a template from somebody else, you're going to use it as a starting point and adjust it to your specific situation. So yeah. here in five seconds, you're there. So I thought that was fantastic. Hack number two is to reprompt it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just be like, okay, this is okay, but I want more detail here. I want this to sound a little bit more warm and friendly and caring. I want this. Give it another shot. Yeah. Reprompt it, Tip add some more details. And I think you and I have seen some common stylistic biases that ChatGPT has. It, it writes very long sentences. And it's very kind of objective in the way it writes. So things along the way of that's great. You know, thank you. We want to thank you. If you want to thank ChatGPT, thank you. Please rewrite this and make it more emotional with shorter sentences, with yep. snappier sentences. That tends to work well. Yeah. So that's hack number three, which is actually determining the style that ChatGPT should write in. Don't let ChatGPT just pick the style that it wants to write in. 
So we already said, you know, in person HR executive, but you can also say, write this in the voice of JK Rowling or write this yeah. in the voice of Ernest Hemingway, who used to write very short, sparse sort of sent like terse sentences, or mm -hmm. write this in the words of my favorite direct response copywriter, Joseph Sugarman from the 1960s. Like you can, if there's enough information about the person online and they've published yeah. enough writing or they're in movies or they're in whatever, ChatGPT can actually adapt that style of voice. Yeah, and I, I think that makes a good point that style is kind of a statistical and it does a pretty good job. And sometimes it will. So for instance, you can you cannot get ChatGPT to be funny on its own. It's just like humor impaired. Make it funny. But you can ask no. it. Yeah, exactly. But you can ask it to impersonate a comedian, one that you like. Personally, I know tastes go all over the place. I asked it to impersonate Jim Carrey. And it actually, it started telling jokes. I, I, I asked it to tell a joke. Hmm. And I thought, you know, well, this is starting to have some color. It's what we always criticize in development writing, that it's very bland, very boilerplate, very safe. We actually coaxed some non-safe language out of chat CPT, colorful you know, I, I don't think I, I must be programmed to just never cross a certain a certain line. But anyhow, do you want me to read that prompt? Yeah, read the prompt. And um, okay, and then we'll to reflect on yeah. on what it said. So we asked ChatGPT to imagine you're Jim Carrey, write a funny speech in first person that inspires people to donate to scholarships, share a funny story of a kid and how they got a scholarship they didn't expect. Use a historical example of when people came together to achieve incredible things in this realm. That was it. So kind yeah. of giving it some guidance on parts of, you know, the general concept between the different parts of what you're looking for, but without putting, you know, without telling it, say this and then this and then this. Yeah. Yeah. And the speech that you got back started with a joke. It started funny. Then it went into the point of how scholarships are important. It talked about how the United States actually created this thing that that doubled and tripled college graduates and how that actually turned the nation into a prosperous nation. It painted the stakes, what's at stake of not having an educated workforce. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of ended on a funny note again, right? And and you could actually see yeah. Jim Carrey giving the speech. Totally. I mean, we got a joke when we were preparing this episode that you probably wouldn't use in a gala or something. It was about a kid who liked to pick his nose and got a scholarship for nose picking, but then went into biochemistry, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you don't like something, you can actually ask ChatGPT to run the same thing again. So that the reprompting hack. Yeah. I got one that was really funny that said that scholarships were like parties for the brain. And I thought, well, that's cute. Yeah. So the next hack, somebody's going to say, well, I'm not Jim Carrey. I don't sound like Jim Carrey and I don't sound like ChatGPT. What I really need is something that sounds like me. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. You can do that. The next hack is you can feed ChatGPT something that you've written or let's say you gave a speech. You can use another AI tool like Otter to transcribe it and you can feed that to ChatGPT. I'm sure I'm sure audio is coming at some point for ChatGPT. At this point, it's text-based prompt. So you can feed the transcript to ChatGPT and you can say, hey, this is my writing. This is what I sound like. I want you to analyze this. And in this style, I want you to write 
the following thing. Yes, exactly. So for me, it would just digress in the middle of a sentence, have lots of filler words, but I'm fairly confident it would do a great job. Right. Be full for, of dad jokes. For Mike, it would make a framework out of everything. Like, <laughs> hello, good morning. It's good morning because the time zone that we're in makes us think that we have three components of the morning. <laughs> There's pre-rise, there's rise, and there's post-rise. <laughs> he read a book about it, folks. So that's another one. So what have you done there? I, I think you've done some interesting things. You've you've yeah, given Chat GPT some of your best writing from your firm, and you've yeah. asked it to riff off that. No. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. So give it a sample and be like, I want it to be in this style of voice. The next hack is actually to ask Chat GPT for options. So what I like using Chat GPT for is giving it a story, like it's a newsletter story or, or it's a story. And they say, I need a really good headline for this thing. Give me 10 options for a headline. And there's different frameworks for headlines. So you, you can even you can even say, use this framework or, or use a combination of these frameworks. And then ChatGPT actually like starts spitting your headlines. Headlines is one of those, there's an art and a craft. You just got to write a lot of them to find a good one. That's it. That's the only secret to writing headlines. But the headline determines whether somebody will read something or not. That's the first thing they look at. So ChatGPT just gives you lots of options. A lot of them are not great, but there's some nuggets in there. And sometimes it does come up with a great headline. And then you say, okay, now if this is the headline, give me a good sub headline and give me 10 options. Hey, okay, Mike. I have a question. Are you teaching ChatGPT in your academy? Because while you were speaking, I was thinking, look at Mike, how nice he's torpedoing his own business. So are you teaching this in your academy? We haven't yet. I, I feel like I'm such a novice at this, but I guess we all are. But yeah. but that's a good way of using ChatGPT. Another one is photo caption. You can describe a photo to ChatGPT and you can say, hey, I need a really compelling photo caption that is not the obvious, you know, this woman is standing by a well of water. Like most photo captions just describe what's happening in the picture, which is boring because we can all see what's happening in the picture. So the photo caption needs to be a little bit more intriguing than that. So asking ChatGPT for options on headlines, subheadlines, captions, things like that is interesting. There's this thing called fascinations. A fascination means if you've ever seen a headline called like, you know, how to lose 90 pounds in 90 days without even trying. That's like a clickbaity headline, right? Now that's called a fascination. And so I asked ChatGPT, hey, do you know what a fascination is? And it's like, yes, of course. It's this device that copywriters use. And it's like, all right, wow. here's what I need you to do. Give me 10 fascinations about the following paragraph, right? Oh. Um, so, yeah, those are little copywriting hacks that, that I like to use yeah. ChatGPT for. And I, you used reprompting there. And you use something that we're going to talk about in a, like a two-stage prompt that I did. That is one, to ask it for a framework, a theory, a body of knowledge. And two, to ask it to use that in something else. I, I think maybe that's our last hack today or, yeah. you know. Or, yeah, we're running out of time here. So multi-stage yeah. prompts. Yeah, exactly. Let me read quickly through this one. The prompt was, imagine you are Mark Zuckerberg. How would you develop deep relationships with people who make small donations to your nonprofit right in the first person? Did everybody see what we just did there? Donor growth, deep relationships, all of that. And then it replied as Mark Zuckerberg, and it said it would prioritize building deep relationships with people who make small donations by implementing a few key strategies, which included personalized communication, 
engagement opportunities, recognition and appreciation, building community on tools like a private Facebook group, wink, wink. <laughs> and that was it, right? And, you know, there was some boilerplate language and it may have sounded like Mark Zuckerberg or not. Yeah. But anyhow, it was a good framework. It checked several of the check boxes that even we talk about, right? right. So the second stage of the prompt was, you know, that was okay, but I felt it didn't go deep enough. And so I asked it, now imagine you are Mahama Gandhi. Use examples from your life to illustrate the points you make. And for each of those items, personalized communication, engagement opportunities, recognition and appreciation, building community, it gave examples that felt, you know, like they could have happened. We all know it's probably all BS, but it was like, you know, engaging engagement was I felt it was important that people join me in acts of civil disobedience. And that was an engagement tool. When you think of that in those terms, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. So I found it helpful. I found the exercise helpful. Yeah. So you asked for Mark Zuckerberg to come up with the ideas. And then you said, okay, let's work with these ideas, but let's use Mahatma Gandhi, who actually has personality and character. And like, <laughs> no offense to Mark Zuckerberg, guy's a robot, right? Like he doesn't emote all that much, but but he has good ideas. So you took his ideas and you said, okay, now in the voice of Mahatma Gandhi, using his own life story, how would you illustrate each of these in a real and practical way? Yeah. So I think that combines several of the hacks we discussed today, the impersonating somebody, the prompting and reprompting, the asking it some theory, and then asking it to work with that theory. Bonus hack, which was in a lot of these prompts, we just never called it out. Ask it to write in first person. That makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. yeah. For some reason, if you don't, you're getting into chat territory, and which is just like <laughs> boring, overconfident. But ask it to write in first person, it gets a little bit more interesting. This has been great. I don't know if we're going to keep the title of the episode about chat GPT prompts that will blow your mind. It's kind of a YouTube clickbaity headline, 100% human generated. But we do hope that you found some inspiration here, whatever it did to your mind. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm going to go. I'm going to go to ChatGPT now and ask for some options for a headline for this podcast. Hey, let's do that. See you later. All right. Bye, Liz. Thank you for listening to the Donor Growth Podcast brought to you by the Donor Participation Project and BuildGood.com. If you found today's episode helpful, please help us by sharing it with a friend, posting about it on LinkedIn, or giving it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, remember that donor growth is possible. 